0: From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Great to have you along with us. This is the COB. It is the 7th of December. I'm Nadine Blaney, joined here by my colleague, David Scuddy. Good day today?
1: Great day today. I think 17 sleeps away from Christmas.
0: Oh, who's keeping count? You and my kids. Getting excited for the Father Christmas. (laughs) Have you been a good person this year? I'd hope so. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Well, you've been all right. Um, Look, uh, you know where the conversation is going to start. Iron ore today, Fortescue up by close to 4%, Rio 2.5%, BHP 2%. Iron ore prices jumping to March 2013 highs. I mean, where were you in March 2013, Scotty? Uh,
1: March 2013, I think I was about to get laid off from my Arab bank. Fun times. That, yeah. that went so fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I'm just thinking back to the time. I think it was about then. But, yeah, um, yeah look, uh, yeah, huge gains. Uh, when you go and, and translate the, uh, the iron ore price into Aussie dollar terms too, now, I'd have to go back in time before probably to uh, the spot pricing began. It could well be kind of in Aussie dollar terms at record highs or well above at the moment, given where the spot price currently sits in U.S. dollar terms.
0: Well, listen, every conversation I had about iron ore today um, was that it's, you yeah, know, the price is justified. And that included uh, speaking with EY, um, you know, it just appears as if China keeps buying it up, Um Brazil still has restricted supply and uh, we're just digging it up and selling it as fast as uh, hand over fist.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, no, longer term, I have no doubt, I'm 100% sure there's more risk to the downside than upside. But uh, who knows how long the actual period can last. We know that uh, you know, steel mill margins are really important in this equation as well. So you got to keep a very close eye what's going on in steel prices in China. But uh, it's incredibly bullish, but there's... You know, I look at little contrarian indicators that are going off all over the place. It makes me like a little bit concerned about to know uh, what's going on. So there's a lot of assumptions being built in now that we're, the Chinese steel production is going to continue to boom again, like even more so than what we're seeing this year. Now, that's a big assumption. Not necessarily like, incorrect, but that's one. And then when I see things like, you no, know, when people say how much uh, Andrew Forrest wealth has been increased yeah. in, uh, in paper wealth per hour.
0: It's just sometimes I just wish that people would find another way to measure that you know
1: yeah but uh, it's one of those things where it's like no that little man in the back of my head's like he's got the bell and he's just so not to say but uh, look I'll be really interested to see what would happen say if the uh, the Dalian exchange operator said okay we're going to go and uh, slap a 25-30% increase in margins for iron ore futures and see what the price did I would be flabbergasted if we don't see a massive pullback there uh, because I can't help but think that whilst there's a lot of very strong uh, fundamental factors. I dare say there's a lot of speculative activity in that market as well.
0: And Paul Mitchell, he is from EY. Uh, That was the conversation I had with him, put it to him. So what if China did play silly? As well in mm. terms of geopolitics with iron ore you know are the corporates in Australia prep for that preparing how do they view it and um, you can listen to that interview if you like I think it's on the website so it's Paul Mitchell from EY and um, he also talked about copper and just you know he's really bullish on the outlook for copper going forward so that's a that's a bonus tip for me if you'd like to listen into a bit more on the iron ore price um, Listen, otherwise today, consumer staples getting a kick up, and that was in part because of Metcash. I think, again, it's one of those 2020 narratives. You know, people were shopping close to home, they were eating at home, and they were working on their homes. I know you've done a bit of spotted DIY yourself, Scuddy.
1: Oh, bits and bobs. Not a whole lot, though, <laughs> but um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more in the year ahead. But uh, that's a, that's a maybe for another day's podcast. Yeah,
0: okay. Um, so why don't we just get to the stock of the day because um, we'll touch upon a few things after that. But it's, it's it's in the mining services space. Uh, you know why uh, we spoke about that one today. Uh, let's hear what our two expert guests, Gorav Soti from The Intelligent Investor and Nathan Samasundram from Deep Data Analytics had to say about the stock of the day, which is Monodelphys. It's one, of,
1: one that we've been positive on a couple of months, not specifically that stock, but overall the mining services. It's a value trade. Mining CapEx has been improving dramatically over the last four or five months and that should play well for them. Again, then they're all being, just like miners, mining services are being managed a hell of a lot better than what they used to be. Mm-hmm. This is well-managed business, um, you know, but it's it's a tough macro. It's had a pretty big bounce. Do I want to chase it right now? Probably not. No. You've had the run. Yep. If you were there, you've done well. Um, I would hold on because you can trust the management to do well. I don't think it's as good as the numbers suggest it is, and simply because, it had its it had its um, halcyon days in the in the in the greatest commodities boom in history. Yep. I know it has all the right numbers, has very high return on equity, but that's because it has no assets. For me, this is a, a, a lowish quality business with outstanding management. It would have to be super cheap to entice a buyer because it's an in awful industry right. with lots of competitors. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that was classic Gaurav and Mathan disagreeing on a company. So Mathan liking the mining services space. Gaurav saying that he thinks that stock, well, in essence, is overrated, saying, I don't think it's as good as the numbers suggest it is.
1: No deal for the portfolio.
0: No, no, no. Okay, Um, Scotty had a lot of conversations today. And I would say a lot of them involved talk of inflation, central banks potentially, uh, you know, being put under increasing pl- pressure uh, to address inflation. And that's going to be a key thematic for 2021. What do you reckon?
1: It's a clear risk. Uh, real rates in particular, to will see what central banks can do to nominal yields and maybe suppress them and, and really make uh, no, real yields go deeply negative. That's one thing. But with the inflation story, like, no, we're just talking, uh, and listen to the stock of the day. And uh, if we truly are at the start of an a, a economic cycle that's going to have big legs, and I think that we're probably on the cusp or something like that, and we have a commodity super cycle, you look at any other commodity super cycle over time, it generally leads to inflationary pressures. You don't want to know what's going to happen to like, some of those high-flying growth names if you start seeing inflation uh, no pick up and, and those yields really start to go and jackknife a little bit higher beyond the control of uh, central banks because that would really go and cause some uh, some demand destruction, in some of these valuations at the moment, particularly in the, uh, the higher-end growth stocks. So it's something you definitely need to keep an eye on. It's not a given by any stretch. We know there's a lot of slack out there. But uh, no, if we really get an industrial recovery, the commodity prices start to pick up and the like, uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens. With that in mind, we must keep an eye on what's going on with the Chinese PPI figure out mm-hmm. tomorrow. You can look at that as a lead indicator for what will happen with not only trade prices, but then eventually CPI prices in a lot of those uh, advanced economies around the world, especially the United States.
0: Yeah, and uh, again, had a really good chat with uh, Jonathan Armitage. He's from MLC. I'm just talking about all the pressure points, so the, the, the sort of dynamics that are putting upward pressure on inflation and just how investors should be thinking about that conundrum at this stage of the game. Tomorrow, we get uh, an indication as to the strength and or weakness, I suppose, of uh, the Australian business community, conditions and confidence report coming out from the NAB. Lots of people really love this read because it's timely. We get insights from the call face. Uh, what are you anticipating coming from this, Scuddy?
1: I don't know. I suggest oh, I'm gonna ask you the same question as well after I'm done, but I can't see anything else but being bullish. Like the news flow has been pretty positive around the country. So uh if it's not optimistic, then I'll be questioning why it's not optimistic. But you no, know, the one thing is I'll be looking out for you no know, Ford orders, uh, you no know, new orders, employment. employment. Yeah, all those areas there. Like you no, know, Tell me if I'm wrong, like, no, surely it'd have to be a like, pretty positive report.
0: I would think so. We've got economies reopening. We've got tax incentives, tax breaks coming through for corporates as well. But we want to know whether it's going to translate into, into hiring, whether it's going to translate into wages growth, which is obviously so key uh, you know, to the whole inflation picture and the economic recovery story going forward. Um, that's what the RBA cares about at this stage of the game. So yeah, the employment read in that... Um, I know that you did a bit of a view today in the newsletter. So if our listeners don't sign up for the newsletter, look, we'll paraphrase it roughly here. But we get these traditional releases this week coming from the banks. We get, you know, the, the NAB result tomorrow. We get the Westpac consumer confidence read a little bit later in the week. Um, after a heavy week for the ABS last week, it's it's a little bit more light on this week. But, you know, your view this week is just sort of expressing... Um, yeah the fact that we're seeing a bit of bit of innovation even coming from the ABS as a result of this pandemic flesh it out a bit for us
1: Yeah it's like it's pretty simple when you put it in perspective so we all know the pandemic period has made us go and revisit what we did in the past and go and think well is this possibly the best way we can do things our processes have been revisited and improved and uh the one thing I was listening to a podcast uh the bit podcast uh, uh last week uh that was over the weekend and uh the uh, head of Australian economics at the Commonwealth Bank Gareth Ed, who was also on, uh, on the last call with us here on Friday uh, was having a chat about to you know that uh, the ABS uh, is already uh, you know, taking some of the bank data the internal bank data on spending and the like uh, and in the process of developing experimental series to potentially in time go and improve the quality of uh, you know, the data releases that come out and make them much more timely in nature so instead of having to wait you know, a month or so or even later in the case of quarterly releases yeah. for what's going on you're going to get a A near real time accurate snapshot of what's going on in the economy. And um, along with another couple of other innovations from the ABS this year, we're seeing the preliminary Mm -hmm. uh, retail sales and trade report. Payrolls. Payrolls report. I've got to really applaud the ABS. Like, no, they copped a lot of stick over the years. Uh, We know about the, the funding pressures and the like. But well, a lot that's of, what I was going to say. Yeah.
0: We need to keep them well-funded because that's been part of the problem yeah, as but well. But the, the,
1: one, the one great thing is that technology is being used. And this is where we talk about technology pivot and the like and accelerating trends. There's absolutely no reason why with the technology and information we have at hand that we can't take big data, put into technology and improve the outcomes. And if that means that we get a better picture of what's going on in the economy and reduces the risk, it won't eliminate, but reduce the risk of policy errors fantastic and so like you know three cheers to the abs tough year but they've been doing a great job
0: cheers to that all right uh you mentioned innovation clunky segue to a couple of interviews i think are worthwhile listening to control by Bio- Bionics cbl is the ticker code debuted on the asx today doing pretty well and it's a really great medtech company servicing a very um you, you know um a very unique part of the market, very targeted, and they are looking to go global, so really looking to hire a massive sales force in the U.S. to get into market there more significantly. So Control Bionics, CEO, joined us, Robert Wong. If you'd like to hear about the size of the market, the growth plans for the company, and also how they extend or plan to extend out the uses for the innovation, you can do so via the show notes. And just because we love keeping people happy, We've got some stock picks as well, and it's an interesting one. So it's out of the big tech space into the micro-cap tech space here on the ASX, and that was with Australian Ethical. And we've also got three ETFs to buy with, with one of our friends, I think, of OzBiz, safe to say, investment manager at VFS Group, James Whalen, giving us three ETFs to buy right now. He's never shy of an opinion, and he gives you three picks today.
1: I also heard he's a pretty uh, savvy wine connoisseur as well. He's a
0: generous guy, too. Thanks, James. Um, Look, that's what's happening today. It's what's happening. Tonight, we've got uh, obviously some data on the docket. Uh, We've got U.S. consumer credit change. Tomorrow, we get the weekly consumer confidence read. I mentioned NAB's business confidence read as well. A whole raft of great guests. One that I'm looking forward to speaking with is Justin Werner. He's the CEO of Nickel Mines. I cannot tell you how many times Nickel Mines has come up in conversation as of late. Electrifying gains. Yeah. (laughs) Elon was on a Twitter thing. I didn't get it. I didn't put a lot of headspace into it, but it was the number 100. I would imagine it's something to do with uh, the trip to the International Space Station.
1: I actually don't follow Elon on Twitter. Um, if there's uh, going to be breaking news, I let the Twitter sphere go and erupt, and they can tell me when something interesting is happening. But uh, no, it's one. Of, I, I tend to follow people where I can go and uh, get information, but you no know, macro sense of things.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I can't tell you if it was a Twitter sphere or storm. I just sort of uh, logged off that after a while. But I just <laughs> noticed that he's got forty over forty million followers. There's a goal for you, Scotty.
1: It's in the bag
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay um, look we're at risk of running off the rails here we look forward to to um, yeah to doing it all again tomorrow
1: looking forward to it as well so I'll see you for Tuesday and enjoy your night